Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Good morning, all. Great to see you here here today. I'm Lee Walker, sort of a semi-retired pastor here at Bible Center, and it's a great privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. Before we get started, um, how about these new Christmas decorations? You know, I, I saw them this week. I walked in here while they were putting them up, and I thought, um, man, somebody must have flown to Europe or got these from Paris or something, but turns out our own staff uh, put them together. I think, I'm sure it was Steve Van Horn was the designer and builder with helpers, and so they really look nice and a, a, a different thing. And of course, you know what happens to our auditorium at Christmas time. The trees go up and the decorations go up and the poinsettias come out, and uh, it's just a, a neat part of the, our Christmas experience here at Bible Center to enjoy the decorations. Let's jump into our message this morning. Uh, do you know the phrase, preaching to the choir? You know what that means, right? If you're trying to make a point to someone, but it turns out, or some group, it turns out they already get it. They already are on your side. They already uh, agree with what you're saying. It's like a pastor preaching to the choir. You assume they already are, uh, believe what you're saying. Uh, well, this morning, I'm here on assignment. Pastor Matt asked me to preach this morning on radical generosity on, on giving, and I'm glad to do it, but with this congregation, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, you guys get it, and you have demonstrated uh, over and over through the years that you are a very generous congregation. It means a lot. That's why we're able to have this wonderful staff that we have, why we can do events like trunk or treat, why we can minister to families with special needs, why we're able to create the Maker Center over on the west side, why we are able to enjoy and use this uh, terrific building, why we're able to start a new uh, weekday infant care ministry starting in uh, January or, or February next year. Um, God has used us. God has used you, all of us through our generosity to be able to, to do these things. But of course, it must not end. There's always more to do. So I'm glad to be able to preach this message this morning. I'm glad to have this assignment. You know, some pastors kind of are hesitant to talk about giving, about money. It's a sensitive uh, subject, so they kind of shy away from it. Not me. <laughs> I like it. It is a very biblical and Jesus-backed concept. So if I'm preaching to the choir this morning, I say, let's do more. And here's why. We're going to consider a passage of Scripture this morning, often referred to simply called the widow's might. It's the story of the widow's might found in Mark chapter 12. We're going to read verses 38 through 44. If you want to get out your Bibles or your Bible app or what, just watch on the screen. Uh, this is a rich story, one of those easy to 
understand memorable stories in the Bible that even people that don't go to church probably, if you say the story of the widow's might, they'll know what you're talking about. There's lots to learn, maybe more than you even think to, today. Uh, and we're going to have three observations. And in those observations, one of the observations will involve three lessons. And one of the observations will involve three perspectives. So three, three, and three. Here we go. Let's, let's be, read this passage, starting with verse 38, Mark 12, 38. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. These were people that Jesus seemed to be talking about and having confrontation with all of the time. The Pharisees, the scribes, the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, he calls them. Watch out for them. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. In other words, they, they like to show off. Jesus called them out on that all the time. Verse 40, they devour widows' houses. What's that about? They live based on donations, contributions directly to them. And sometimes they got a little, they went a little too far and a little too demanding, and they weren't very sensitive about where the money was coming from. They devour widows' houses. And for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Verse 41. You kind of have a little break. You can imagine Jesus calling his disciples and saying, come over here, I want to, I want to talk to you a minute about something. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. This, this is an interesting scene. Back here in the auditorium, we have a response box at either side of the door. It's a place where you can drop in your offering. What if Jesus was sitting back there watching everybody as they did it? I don't know. So he was there. He said, come over and watch this. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, where it's only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Jesus' attention to the widow's offering teaches us about giving and really about life. As is so often the case with Jesus in his ministry, he takes a real-life event and uses it as a teaching moment. So observation number one is he... There are three simple lessons we can get from Jesus' words. The first one is this. Everyone, and I emphasize the word everyone, everyone can and should give. Verse 42, she was a poor widow, but a poor widow came to put in her money. <clears throat> On more than one occasion, I've had people in the church come and talk to me and say something like this. Um, 
Don't you think you should be a little more sensitive when you talk about money? Don't you know there are people here who are just barely making it or not even making it? Don't make them feel guilty because they can't give. Well, of course we want to be sensitive about money. It's a sensitive topic. And that's why uh, no one monitors who gives what here. You know, years ago, there was a rumor that went around town that at Bible Center, if you wanted to become a member, you had to show your tax returns so that we could make sure that you were giving appropriately. Uh, that's ridiculous, and of course, it's never true. No one monitors what anyone gives. But the New Testament concept of proportional giving takes care of this issue that people have, have raised. If you have very little, God expects you to give a very little amount of the very little that you have. But the lesson is everyone can and should give. If you have anything, you can give a little bit of it. You might think if all you could give is a small amount on any, any given week or in any given uh, time period, that it really doesn't matter anyway. So, you know, why bother? If, if all I can give is a dollar, nobody's going to know whether I give it or not. Nobody's going to care. It's too small to, to count. Well, the, the flaw in that thinking is that God needs this money. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money. But he wants you and he wants me. He wants all of us. It does matter. It matters to God because he wants you to worship him and, and obey him. And he cares. Even if you could only give that a little bit. He cares. He should, certainly cared about the widow. And you should care. You will be more fulfilled in your worship and in your relationship to God because you gave. Now, I should pause here and make a point. I don't even have any of my notes, but I thought of it during the first service. I wish I would have mentioned it there, and I didn't. God wants everybody to give. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can give all you got, and it doesn't bring you any closer to God. Step number one is nothing to do with giving. Step number one is having a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that relationship this morning, please don't misunderstand anything I'm saying. There's no spiritual value in giving if you don't already have a relationship with God. But if you do have a relationship with him, and I'm assuming that's most of us in this room this morning, your relationship with him, your, your communion with him will be enhanced because you give, even if it's just a little bit. Lesson number two in this first observation is this. Faith-based giving is enabling. Faith-based giving. Look at verse 43 again. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. The emphasis again on this, that she's a poor widow. 
The question is, how much faith did the widow exhibit and demonstrate when she gave her all? <laughs> Obviously a tremendous amount. All we know about the widow is what we just read, these few words. We don't really know anything about her. Does she have any children? Where does she live? How does she keep herself together? When she goes home, is there food in the pantry? We don't know any of that. But doesn't it seem unlikely that Jesus would talk about her and celebrate her if when she left after giving her all, she went home to starve to death. Of course not. Jesus took care of her. God took care of her. She had faith. She was able to give her all because she had faith that God would care for her. She was able to hear God and to, to, to give to him, to, to understand his nudging of her. How about you? What do you plan to give to the church this week or this month or the rest of this year? Let's, let's pick a number. Let's say, how about just today? So you're planning to give as you leave the auditorium and put something in the box there or, or you go to your car and you dial up the app and you give on, online and you have an, an amount in mind. You've decided, okay, today I'm going to give, pick a number, $100. So you do that and that's a good thing and you should feel good about that, about giving it. Trust you, it would uh, be something you would, it, be a positive experience for you. What if, as you were doing it, God nudged you and said, trust me, give $200 today and I will care for you. If that happened, if God nudged you that way, would you listen? Would you be willing to hear God in a, in a way like that? The point is this, simply this, let faith, not, not mere arithmetic, let faith be a part of your giving experience, and you will be closer to God. Thirdly, third lesson, simple lesson is, God celebrates big gifts. God celebrates big gifts. Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Now, when I say that God celebrates big gifts, do you cringe a little bit? Do you want to come up and whisper in my ear and say, now, Lee, be careful. Don't give the wrong idea. God celebrates little gifts too, doesn't he? Well, yeah, of course. We have to define big. What is big? Sometimes big it, has nothing, it doesn't have to do with an amount. It has to do with what's, what's left after giving and what proportion it is. And God celebrates those big proportions. 
Was the widow's gift big? Duh. <laughs> it was all that she had. So Jesus makes a big deal about it. He celebrates it. He's pleased with her gift. Wouldn't you like to know <laughs> that God is pleased with your giving? Some of you will remember the capital campaigns that we've had here at Bible Center. We had a capital campaign to buy this property. We had a capital campaign to build this building. We had a capital campaign to reduce our debt and build the gym out of the school. And in those campaigns, we would end them on what we called Celebration Sunday. And on that day, uh, we would encourage everyone to fill out what we called a commitment card. It wasn't a pledge, nothing legal about it or anything, but to fill out a commitment card in which you would write down a number and say, this is the amount, with God's help, that I plan to give over and above my regular giving in the next whatever period of time it was, normally three years. Now, consultants told us the way you do this is before Celebration Sunday, you go to all the people and you talk to them privately and individually and say, um, let me help you decide what to give. So last year you gave this amount. How about this year you give this amount? We never did that. That's not how we operate. It's not how you become a generous congregation. But we did do this. On Celebration Sunday, when we asked people to fill out their commitment card, we said, as you're, as you're writing down that number, just ask this. Is God pleased with the number I'm writing down? Is God pleased? God was pleased with, and he celebrated, the widow's gift. It would be a great thing to know that God is pleased with my offerings. Well, we move on. Observation number two. Observation number one were those three simple lessons. Now, observation number two. When faced with a choice, choose both. When faced with a choice, choose both. Look at verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. This is my favorite part of this story. We call it the widow's mite. The word mite comes from the King James Version. That's used for coin. And we make it singular, but it's really not singular. There were two coins. She had two, and so she had a choice. Can you imagine her process? She gets in her purse or her pocket or whatever, and she pulls out, she has two coins. If she picked up one coin and put it in the offering, wouldn't that have been remarkable? This poor widow gave 50% of all that she had. Of course, that would be truly remarkable. But she didn't. She got them out, and she put in two coins. I wonder, I don't know what the offering container was made of, if it made a sound. I'm thinking that it did. So she put in two coins. Ding, ding. One ding would have been remarkable. But she had two dings. She gave it 
She gave it all. People tend to get hung up on the concept of uh, tithing, giving 10%. Um, I believe tithing is very biblical. It's throughout the Bible. The Old Testament was a, a, a normal part of their worship. The New Testament, it's, it's referred to. The New Testament concept is more um, giving as God has blessed you, but it's still proportional. And a tithe has always been a good, a good biblical guideline. But what that proportion is, whether it's 10% or not, is not the most important uh, part of the decision process. It's, it's kind of the end of the decision process. What, what process do you go through when you decide if and how much to give to the church? I think there are four steps, really. First one is intentionality. Giving ought to be intentional. You ought to, we all ought to decide to do it. This is going to be a part of my Christian life. It's not optional. I'm not going to decide each week whether I'm going to give or not. I'm, yes, of course I'm going to give. It's part of who I am. It's part of my relationship to God. It's intentional. Secondly, our giving ought to be regular. Regular. Every week or month or in some way regular. I think the most common and, and a, a, a good advice is tie it to payday. How do you get paid? You get paid every week or twice a month or every other week. Or when you get paid, when I get paid, it's the, the opportunity, the time to make our contribution regular. And generous. Number three is generous. The blessing and the satisfaction and, and just the, the general feel-good quotient about giving generously is a, is a great blessing. I've heard it said, and I, I think this is a true statement, that God is not asking something from us. He's asking something for us. He wants our giving to be a, a, an opportunity for, for blessing. Intentional, regular, generous, and then proportional. I do believe the tithe is an, an appropriate um, proportion. But it's, it's not the only one. And if, if you choose something else, that, that, as long as the, God is pleased with it, <clears throat> that's between you and him. But pick a number, pick a proportion, and then stick with it. Stick with it. Here's the deal. When you have a choice, when you have a choice, choose both coins. Have a bias towards being more generous rather than less. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apologize for my voice. This will help. <clears throat> Third observation. Involves a question. The question is this. What is God's perspective on giving? How did God look at giving? How did God, did God look at the widow? How does God look at you and me related to our giving? Well, perspective number one is this. What's left is more important than what's giving. This separated the widow from the wealthy donors, right? 
Jesus suggested that whatever amounts were being given by the rich, it was not enough to affect their lifestyle. They still had plenty to live on. But when the widow gave, it was so much, it totally affected her life. So, here's, here's the question. What does God expect? Does he expect us all to give like the widow did and, and give our all? In our society, in our affluence, I think it's appropriate to ask the question, what does God expect? Is it okay to have a nice house? Is it okay to have two cars, three cars? Is it okay to go on vacations? Is it okay to buy my children and my grandchildren nice gifts? Well, <clears throat> there's lots of other scriptures to consider when answering those questions. But today, let's just stick with this one that we have. From the passage today, how could we answer those questions? First of all, we could notice that Jesus does not condemn the rich for being rich. There's no thought here, there's no indication from Jesus that that's a bad thing, that they have wealth. He does not even suggest that they've given too little based on what they have. He says they've given out of their wealth. He didn't say they should have given more. But he is pointing out that there's great blessing in faith-filled, sacrificial, generous giving. <clears throat> faith-filled, sacrificial, generous giving. Have you ever given, made a contribution to a, a charity uh, and you get a thank you letter back from them and they say, thank you for your sacrificial gift. Sometimes you've probably gotten a letter from the church uh, using a phrase like that, thank you for your sacrificial gift. You know, I don't know what it takes for a gift to be truly sacrificial. Um, I, I enjoy giving, I do, and I, and I try to give generously, but I don't know that I've ever reached sacrificial. Actually, I think it's, it's hard to get there because you can't outgive God. God loves a cheerful giver and a generous giver. I don't know that I've had to change my lifestyle because of my giving. Probably just the opposite. I've enjoyed God's blessing. Part of it is my giving. Here's an unfortunate fact. <clears throat> Very unfortunate. But it's been proven over and over again. Lots of studies say this that the more a person's income goes up, the less they give to church as a percentage of what they have. Income goes up, the percentage of what you give goes down. What an opposite thing. I, didn't, I mean, that shouldn't be, right? There was a few years ago, quite a few years ago, there's a man that He's no longer here. He moved away. I'm sure you wouldn't know him. But he <clears throat> came to me and said, I want to talk to you about, uh, about my giving. 
said, sure, I like to talk about that. He said, I truly believe in the tithe. He said, so I give 10%. In fact, I give 10% of my gross. So it's really 10% of everything that I, I earn. He said, but <clears throat> I just got a new job. And in my new job, my income, my salary, is going to increase a lot. It's going to go up. Now, currently, when I give 10%, it's this amount. But when I get my new salary, it's going to be this amount. What should I do? What do you think I told him? Why in the world, if God has blessed you, would you want to give less? Maybe it's a time to even consider, maybe you go from 10 to 11%. If God has blessed you, that's, that's it. That's the, truly the New Testament concept. Give as God has blessed you. Don't fall into that trap of, of think, being so focused on the amount that you allow your, the proportion of your giving to go down as, you're giving, as your income goes up. Perspective number two. <clears throat> proportion is more important than size or the amount of the gift. What Jesus celebrated with the widow was her proportion, not the size of her gift. She gave 100%. She gave it all. Proportion is more important than size. The third perspective is this. Commitment is more important than amount. Commitment is more important than quantity. That's because, again, God doesn't need our money, but he wants us. We talk about commitment in giving, and we start to get at the concept of motive. Why do you give? What do you expect to happen because you give. Why do you give? Well, we give, first of all, out of worship. This was so clear in, in the Old Testament. The offering that people made was a part of their life. This is just what they, what they did. It was part of how they worshiped God. Today, in, in many churches, including ours, uh, since the pandemic, uh, we no longer pass an offering plate in the service that used to be an actual part of the worship experience. We tried to make it that way anyway. We would call it worship through giving. So the offering plate was passed, and you had the opportunity to make a contribution by putting it in the plate or, or at least be reminded about giving. But we don't do that anymore. So giving now is, is even more uh, private, and that's probably a, a good thing. But it's also more easy to neglect because there's no specific action that's reminding you to give. There's something about the process of giving that I think is important that we, we want to be careful that we don't lose. So how do you give now? Uh, do you give online? You use the app? You send it in the mail? Use the offering box? However it is, Figure out a way to still make it a worship experience. I know on the, the software that we use on our 
website and our app to receive gifts uh, that way. Uh, that software encourages us to set up automatic giving so that uh, your gift comes out every week or every month just automatically. You don't have to do anything about it. It's all set up. It comes out of your bank account or goes on your credit card. You don't have to think about it. And so, and that's probably a good thing in many ways. Uh, it, you know, neglect it, and if you're on vacation or something, you don't have to worry about it. It just happens. But for me, anyway, I've decided I don't do it that way. I give on my phone, on the app, but I like deciding to do it, having a time to do it, and take out my phone and use my stubby little fingers and do it and, and make the contribution. And I try to make it a worshipful experience. I try to think about God while I'm doing it and think about the church and, and that I believe in Bible Center Church and the ministry of this place. And I, I like doing it that way. In whatever way you do it, try to make it still be an opportunity for worship. God wants us to worship him through our giving. Commitment involves our worship and then obedience. Now this is simple, very simple. The Bible says, God tells us, God indicates, God guides us, we should give. God wants us to give. And if we don't, since God wants us to, if we don't, we are disobeying him. What's left is more important than what's given. Proportion is more important than size. Commitment is more important than amount. Okay, wrap it all up. Think of all the, put together all the thoughts you've just thought. And let's ask ourselves the question, how, what does this mean for me, for you, for our church? What does this mean? Well, the main point of this passage is not even small gifts mean a lot. <clears throat> I've heard that preached that way. The point of the widow's might is to let us know that even small gifts mean a lot. The main point is not that. The main point is that big gifts, both large and small, mean a lot. Big gifts mean a lot. <clears throat> now, don't misquote me and go out of here and say, Walker says that small gifts are meaningless. <laughs> of course not. That's not true. But we've got to understand the definition of small and big. I am suggesting that the definition of small or big doesn't depend on the amount. For the widow... Small was all. The point is, big gifts mean a lot. So here's a final question for us. When you make a, your next contribution to the church, whether that's today, next week, whenever, whenever you make your next contribution to the church, is Jesus going to hear one ding, ding, or two, ding, ding. Let's pray. 
Father, we pause to ask you to drive home in our hearts and in our lives your point. Help us to be truly big givers. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media.